All right, everybody. Good evening and welcome to our midweek Bible study and prayer time. Got a little something different in store for you tonight. We have had for the past several months uh, Levi and Lindsay in our mission house. And uh, although it's been quite a delay for them in getting back to South Asia, serving in missions there, it has been our delight to be able to have them here and part of what the Lord is doing at Longview Point and to benefit from their ministry and insight into ministry. And so kind of in game planning, um, I, I was really not expecting to be here at all tonight, and that was before being out last Sunday and last Wednesday. Um, our littlest one had some surgery this morning, had some tubes put in and his adenoids out and his tongue clipped. And so uh, I was planning on uh, helping to take care of him, but he's in the yard and running around like a wild child, and so here I am tonight, and uh, Trey was initially lined up to teach tonight and had a funeral today, and then Levi's engagement fell through, and so he was able to be here tonight, and rather than just doing what a good friend would do and giving him a lot of flexibility on short notice, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk specifically about how we make disciples. We've talked a lot in recent weeks about evangelism, and I think that whether we're actively engaged in the work of evangelism or not, the basic component parts of evangelism, for the most part, I think we really come in understanding. There are some methods, and there's some encouragement, and, and some courage that comes over time as we practice the work of evangelism. It's essentially telling the story of what Jesus has done in our life. And if Jesus has done something in our life, we have the ability to communicate that on some level. But I think often, and this is really part and parcel of evangelism, we really struggle with what to do at the point at which we encounter an individual that says, yes, I sincerely desire to give my life to Jesus. And I'll add to that, not only do we struggle to know what to do when we encounter lost people who've come to that place, we struggle to know what to do when we encounter people who have in their past committed their life to Jesus, but have yet to learn what it really means or what it really looks like to be a faithful follower of Christ over time. The language of discipleship and, and the notion of discipling, I think, has grown substantially in the church in the years since Jesus called me to faith, and I rejoice in that. But there is yet a great deal of work for us to do in better understanding how to make disciples of those who may come to faith under our ministry or leadership and those that may come to faith with, within our family leadership as moms and dads. Lindsay's going to join Levi at some point tonight and talk about how to make disciples in the context of, of parenting as a mother. How do we make disciples of our kids and how do we make disciples of, of friends and neighbors and those kinds of things. So... All of the answers will not be provided for you, and in much the way it's true in evangelism, we can give you all the tools and resources and methods and such, you, you, you have to put hand to plow without looking back and, and persevere in this work. All of that is not going to be resolved for you tonight in the time that we have together, but I think that you're going to get some basic tools that you can implement in the work of making disciples of all nations under the authority and the commissioning of Jesus. And I'd remind you here in the beginning of our time together that the call of Jesus in the Great Commission is, is not exclusively in the way we think sometimes to go do evangelism. That's not the command. The command is to make 
disciples. And so at that point in time in which an individual is ready to give their life to Jesus and they sincerely entrust their soul to a good and faithful God in heaven, that's the beginning of God's great work in their life and not the end. And I, I think you'll probably hear that pressed on a bit in the time that we have together tonight. So Levi and Lindsay, thank you for sharing with us tonight. What I'd like to do is to lead us in a word of prayer. I'm going to take advantage of uh, the time out of the teaching responsibility tonight and be a little bit in and out in the time that we have together, uh, hopefully more in than out. But I do hope that you will give full attention to what is shared here tonight, make good notes and think through and process. And I bet you could even talk Levi and Lindsay into a question and answer time for a few minutes at the end of our time together. Sound good? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your kindness toward us. Thank you for the Great Commission, Lord. We often cower in fear at the idea of what you have called us to do there, but it is such a remarkable privilege that you have allowed us to join together in your redemptive work in your world. You are powerful. All authority belongs to you. You are gracious. You have looked upon us even in our sin and shown us mercy. You are just. A day is coming when at your power and authority, every sin will be accounted for. God, we, we want to be faithful to you, to serve you, Lord. You are our God and our King, and we seek to be faithful subjects of the King. And so I pray that tonight you would help us to learn what it means to follow you in this way, to be faithful not just in acts of obedience that are easily performed um, in seclusion or out of the public view, Lord, but in a way that lets our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. God, I pray that you would be with both Levi and Lindsay as they have occasion to share in our time together. Help us to hide the truths of your word away in our heart that we might not sin against you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, tonight, what I'd like to do is we're going to talk through just practically about making disciples. Lindsay, you want to come up here with me? Uh, yeah, so this is my wife, Lindsay. I don't know if y'all have met Lindsay or not. Most of you have. Um, but Lindsay and I tonight, we're, we're just going to be walking and talking through uh, making disciples. Um, so just like Wade said, right, we, we want to start with evangelism. Right? We, we want to start sharing the gospel abundantly because when we start sharing the gospel abundantly, what's going to happen? People are going to come to Christ. When people come to Christ, what needs to take place next? Man, we need to be doing what? Disciple, right? Discipleship. We need to be discipling those new believers. You know, every church planting network that Lindsay and I have ever spent any time with in India, in Nepal, in Bhutan, it all started with teaching them how to share the gospel. And as they began to share the gospel, you know what started happening? They started winning people to faith. And the first question was, what do we teach them? How do we make disciples? How do we, how do we make sure that they stay healthy? How do we make sure that they continue to, to walk 20 years from now with Jesus? What do we do? How do we do it? And then the Lord just so happened to put us back in their life. And they asked us those questions. And then we had a whiteboard and we started walking through those things with them as well. I don't know if you know this about us, but we cannot teach without a whiteboard. So guess what? We got a whiteboard for tonight. Uh, so tonight, I want to try to give you uh, just a picture of uh, discipleship. 
You know, oftentimes we think about discipleship and it is this very, very difficult thing. Um, there's some barriers in our minds for discipleship. The first barrier that I want to talk about is this. Who can and who can't make disciples? Okay, raise your hand if you cannot make a disciple. Okay, I'm glad you answered that question the way that you did because tonight's going to be a lot of fun. So every single one of you in this room can make disciples. Next question. Is everyone in this room making disciples? Should be, right? Now, this is not a negative session, okay? This is not the point of it. The point of it is to say everybody in this room can make disciples, and we might not be making disciples, and there could be some reasons on why we're not making disciples. So, I'm not going to give you all the reasons why, because Lindsay and I were talking today. She's like, don't go through all of that. But I will, I will give you a couple ideas on some barriers that keep us from making disciples. I think oftentimes people do not have handles to grab on with. They also have no idea what to do whenever they get in a situation, whenever somebody says, yes, I want to follow Jesus, or somebody says, hey, Levi, will you disciple me? Most of the time, people do not understand or even have an idea in their mind what a healthy disciple looks like. They have no idea, okay, when they come to Christ, what is going to be my first lesson that I'm going to teach? Most of the time, whenever somebody comes to Christ, what is the first thing that we think? Bring them to church, right? Or, hey, Wade, man, I just led somebody to the Lord. And he's going to say, great, what are you going to do now? Huh? Yeah, just text him. Maybe he'll tell you what to do. Well, the point of this is to empower and equip every single one of you because you have all said it's my responsibility and I can make disciples, right? That was the last thing that Jesus told his disciples, right? The very last thing, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, verse number 20 says, therefore go and make disciples. Well, every single one of you, since you didn't raise your hand, that is your responsibility. And you might be failing in that, but tonight I hope you are able to walk away with some tools in your hands to give you an idea of what to be doing. Okay. Now, a part of discipleship, oftentimes there's some barriers. One of them is the way that we disciple people, it is not simple. Have you ever thought about that? The way that we disciple people is not simple. If it's not simple, then you know what that means? I cannot do it. So I'm out. Why? Because I'm from Cottonville, Mississippi, and I have to have things given to me very simply. So if it's not given to me simply, then I can't teach anybody else. Right. So that becomes a barrier. Oftentimes our discipleship is also because it's not biblical. You ever thought about that? The way that we do discipleship, sometimes not biblical. You walk, somebody comes to Christ and then what do we do? Hey, here's a book. Read that. Nothing's wrong with giving somebody a book and asking them to read that. But is that biblical discipleship? OK, what about. What about the way that I do discipleship? What if it's not actually reproducible? What if, the, have you ever thought about that? But maybe the way that I actually teach, people will leave and they'll shake your hand and they'll say, hey, I could never do it like you. Some of you might think that's success, but actually that's a failure. You know why? Because it doesn't go beyond what you just did. Did everybody catch that? So it could be me, like maybe I teach in such a way that nobody feels like they can do that. 
It's not actually reproducible. Now, I know that you're thinking uh, you're a terrible teacher, and that's exactly right. And the reason why I'm a terrible teacher is because everybody in this room should teach better than I do. Okay? That's the point. The point is, it's not about how much I can do, but the point is, can I give it to you in such a way that you can grab a hold of it and go out and use it again? Sometimes this is not affordable. Oftentimes, the way that we do discipleship, we don't think about getting the people discipled that have no money, extra money. What I mean by that is they don't have money to spend for maybe new Bibles. I don't know. Maybe they do. Where we come from, the way that we do discipleship, oftentimes, if we say, hey, you need the Internet to get on this website so that you can do discipleship and download all these materials, well, that is not going to fly. So we have to be thinking about, is our discipleship affordable? Man, if we've got the word of God, guess what? We can teach them, right? We can teach them, we can train them, we can show them. So those are some barriers that I think that we've always come across that keep people from getting to making disciples. So a lot of times it's not, it's not simple, it's not reproducible, it's not affordable, and it's just not simple. Maybe I already said that, but I figure, feel like I need to say it again. I think right? another big thing is that a lot of times as believers, we don't feel um, equipped. Thank you. It's easier when, it's easy because we live overseas, so when we come home, we can kind of see gaps within the church easier than if you grow up in the church. You know, you don't really realize the gaps as much. And for us, a big gap within the church is older men and women discipling younger men and women. It is a huge issue. When I became a believer, I was inside of a church and I was super on fire for Jesus. Everybody, you know, was excited because Lindsay loved Jesus so much. But an older woman came to me and said, Lindsay, how much time are you spending in the Word? And I was like, uh, not a whole lot because I love to worship and I love to pray. But when it came to like actually growing in my time with the Lord in my walk with the word, I didn't know what I, I didn't do it a lot. I didn't really have a heart for the word. So this lady said, come and meet with me once a week. And every week she met with me and she said, um, she asked me the same question. How many days have you spent in the word? How much time have you spent in the word? Just asking those hard questions to me until I started learning. Then she would sit down with me in the word and read through it and talk about it and give me a heart for the word of God. That didn't come from my preacher preaching. I never got a heart from him. I never, I went to every Bible study there was. I didn't get a heart for the word in Bible study. I got a heart for the word of God from one woman taking time, an older lady in the church who probably didn't even feel used by God, who saw a person who came to Christ and said, I'm going to invest into her life. And that changed my life forever. And it gave me a passion for his word that changed everything about me. I was at my mom's church a while back, and there was a younger girl in there who was sharing some issues within their family. And it was an older lady class, 40s and above. And all those ladies sat there and listened and said, oh, we're going to pray for you. Oh, we're sorry. I'm, I'm 40, so I can say older woman. <laughs> 40, 60, 80. And so um, <laughs> um, they all said, oh, we're going to pray for you. We're so sorry. And then... Um, they left the class. And I went to my mom later and I said, Mom, this girl like clearly asked for someone to say, I'm going to be intentional in your life. I'm going to call out to you. I'm going to. And none of you like 
said anything about reaching out to her. What is happening in the church? So anyway, my mom went to her later and, and asked her if she could start meeting with her. And that girl is growing in the Lord. It's not from a Sunday school class. It's not from the pastor. It's from one lady pouring her life out into another. And that is a huge gap in the church. And it is our job. It is not the job of the pastor or anybody on staff. It is our job as people who love Christ and who love his word, to find these people who we see in the church and may say, oh, they're really struggling, or oh, I see that their marriage is struggling, or all the things that you hear about them. When we hear those things, we need to call them. It's our job in the church to call them and say, I want to pour into your life. I want to meet with you once a week. And if they say no and they're running from that, then you call them again and say, hey, Pray for God to open your eyes for those people. And God will. Every time I start asking the Lord, open my eyes for people to invest my life in. I mean, it is clear as day the people he brings into my life and the people that may mention to me that they, you know, are struggling or may, if I ask them, hey, how's your time in the Word? And they say, man, I'm really struggling to spend time in the Word. Okay, let me help you. Let me meet with you. Not saying that I know more than you, but I can empower you to grow in your walk with the Lord. You know, I can do that. I may not know have it all together, but I can empower you to know him. I can empower you to have a relationship with him. That's our job. That's all of our job within the church. And I hope we can take that and live passionately for discipleship. I think um, for us, that is the heartbeat, right? All of us getting involved in discipleship, realizing that, yes, the Lord has given us responsibility and we want to be intentional with the conversations that we have with people. I mean, the Lord is bringing people here. Well, let's listen to what they have to say and let's be intentional to say, man, I, I need to invest some time there with these people, right? So one of the things that I want us to talk about, and we already know, we already have a biblical perspective on making disciples, right? We, we all know 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, where Paul said, you know, Timothy, teach these things to faithful men who will teach these things to others who would teach these things to others, right? So we know that there is this idea of uh, one disciple teaching another, and then that disciple will teach others, right? We even see that in what Paul was doing. We see Paul developing leaders throughout his journeys. I don't know if you remember the last time that I came up here, and I put a whiteboard up here just like this, and I drew the map, and I showed you all the different leaders that came from that work that Paul was doing. But one thing that you see happening over and over and over again was Paul being very intentional about the people that were with him. He never traveled by him. Himself. He always had somebody with him and you always see him sending and talking with those leaders. One of my favorite passages as I looked about discipleship uh, was first, sorry, uh, first Corinthians chapter four, verse number 17. I'm just going to read it re real quick. This is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in Christ to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Did you hear that? He's going to send Timothy. Paul is not going to go there, but Timothy is going to go teach the same things that Paul teaches in every church and everywhere. Right? Isn't that, isn't that something? Have you ever thought about that before? That there was certain ways that Paul was teaching and he was able to raise up other leaders that could go and teach the same things. And then they ended up teaching those things throughout all those churches, throughout those regions. 
Now, I can't track and so show you that he taught every single thing, every single place. This is exactly what it was. But we can see that there was this idea of, I'm going to teach you, you're going to come with me, and then you're going to go when you're going to do the work, right? What did Jesus, what did Jesus tell us in Mark 3, 14? He says, I called them to be with me, and then I'm going to send them out to preach, Right. The idea of coming to be, but then sending them out to do the work. It was almost the idea of breathing. When you breathe, you breathe in. They're calling people in, spending time with people. You breathe out. People are going out. Right. So we have to make sure that we're very intentional about our time with people. We're bringing people close to us and then we're sending them out. Right. We think about how Jesus spent his time. Who did he spend the majority of his time with? The 5,000, the 4,000, the 120, the 70. No, as we look at the numbers, it actually gets smaller and he starts spending his time with the 12, the 3, the 1, right? We start seeing uh, even the same thing with Paul, his investment in his leaders. We see that he's investing his time and pulling people aside and giving them proper teaching and training for the purpose of what? Sending them out to do the work so he doesn't have to go back to some of those places. Now, 1 Corinthians, you guys know what happens in 1 Corinthians. That church is a messed up church. Paul didn't go there. He stayed on Ephesus. He said that the reason why he actually stayed on in Ephesus was because God was doing incredible work and he stayed there and he sent Timothy over there to teach and remind them of the things that he teaches in every church. Well, if he wasn't making disciples, could his disciples go and teach the same things that he was teaching? No. Right? Okay. I know I just said a whole lot. Did I, did I just, do we need to talk about any of that real quick before I move on? Okay. Now, just know this session, what I normally do is I usually do this in two or three days. So we're going to have to condense this. Ask you this. What is a healthy disciple? If, I, if I'm going to disciple somebody, what do they need to, uh, what, to, what do I want them to look like? Huh? Producing godly, Producing godly fruit, which would be? Discipling others. Discipling others. So I want them to disciple others. I think you might have been thinking fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? That would be more of the, the character type things, right? So we're talking about. Man, doing, we want them to be going out and making disciples. We want them also to make sure that they're developing some of those character type things, right? Mm -hmm. What else would you think? Healthy disciples. Be in the word. Huh? Be in the words. Man, we want them to love the word, right? We want them to know how to have an abiding time with Christ. Right? We, want to, we want to make sure that they know what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Right? We want to make sure that they know how to rightly divide the word so they can understand what it says. Man, you know what would happen if every single believer was hungry for the word and in it every single day? Oh, my goodness. Man, you talk about getting fired up. That's right. Walk in it. So not only are we digging in the word daily, but man, now we're starting to walk in it. Right. We're not just hearing it, but we're just starting to be doers of it. Man. What else? OK, so making disciples, doers of the word, digging in the words, healthy fruit. Healthy prayer life. Right. That's right. Piggy back on digging in the word, but making sure, hey, are you communicating with God? 
Like this, you know, we need to make sure that we're crying out to him on a daily basis. It's good. Anybody else? Huh? Passionate. Passionate just to know him, walk with him, experience him. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, it does. Thank you. You're exactly right. Pouring into those people, not for some reason, but other than we just love them, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We care for them. So just having a loving heart and affection towards others as well. Maybe. Is that okay? Okay. So if I could take what you guys just said, a healthy disciple... It seemed like there were some themes, and I'm going to try to put this in some categories that helps you understand what we're talking about when we think about a healthy disciple. So a healthy disciple, right, we, we want to talk about three different things, right? Head, heart, hands. All right? Head, knowledge, right? So we want to make sure that they know how to read God's Word. We want to make sure they know how to pray. We want to know, make sure that they understand what are the fruits of the Spirit, right? So there is this knowledge part about this um, uh, disciple, right? That they need to know. There's certain things they need to know. Would you say that that would be characterized by some of the things that you said? Yeah. Okay. What about, what about the uh, no? What about the be? Some of you guys talked about character. Well, to be a healthy disciple is not just about knowledge. Is that right? No, no. It's about, it's about character, but it's also about something else I'm going to pull out. And it is the doing, the hand. So knowing, so we have to make sure that disciples know and understand, but also the character. We want to make sure that they have the right godly character. And then we also want to make sure that they are doing, right? So we say this, heart, head, hands. Head, heart, hands. Whichever order you like. So head, heart, hands. Head is what? Knowledge. Right? So how do we have a healthy disciple? Well, we've got to make sure that they, they understand some things, right? What about heart? What is heart? Being. Being. That's their character, right? We want to make sure that, man, we're focusing not just on the knowledge, but we're focused on, look, man, look at Zacchaeus' life. When he met Jesus, his character changed. He stopped stealing from people. And now he's giving it back, right? What about the doing? The hands, Right? What does it mean for a disciple to be doing? Obeying. Obeying, taking the word and trying to live it out as best they can. Now, when we think about discipleship, those are three categories we like to put it in. Okay? The reason why we like to put it in those categories is because it helps me make sure that I'm doing a great job of building a healthy disciple. Because if I'm doing healthy discipleship and I'm only focused on knowledge, then what about their character? What about the expectation of what they should be doing as a new believer or even as an old believer? So we want to make sure that when we're discipling people that we're not focusing just on one, but we're getting all three. Does that make sense? What if I did discipleship and it was only do, 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 do? What happens when somebody challenges them whenever they share the gospel? And they're only doing, doing, doing. Well, What's going to happen? If they're not in the Word daily, huh? They're going to fade away. 
They're going to fade away. Eventually, they're going to get wore out. Maybe they're not walking with the Lord in the right way. Maybe their affections really aren't for him. So eventually, their doing, doing, doing is going to wear out. Or maybe somebody's going to ask them a question that's going to challenge their thoughts and challenge, what, challenge them in the gospel. And then they're going to say, maybe it's not real. All right. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I'm saying that if we're not focused on all three, that there are some tendencies and there's going to be some things that are going to help us that they're going to start sliding away in our discipleship. If we're only focusing on one part and not a whole type, a holistic type discipleship. Okay, so now what I want us to talk about is when we do discipleship, we like to focus on, for, for me personally, uh, six to nine disciples. Now, those six to nine disciples, I'm not asking you to write down six to nine people that you want to disciple. I'm going to say what I would encourage you to do is three. Why three? Because three is just an easy number. Okay. <laughs> I don't know any other way to tell you, but I'm going to show you something in a minute that's going to give you an idea of why I just said three. But what I would like for you to do is think about discipling three people. Okay. The reason why we want to say three. So one, invest in three. Those three, let me do this. We'll invest in three. Okay? So my intention is to invest in three disciples who will invest into... Y'all, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to invest in the three who are going to invest in the three. So this is going to be one, three, nine. Okay, so when we're thinking about who we invest in, we want to say, okay, three is kind of my number. I want to work with three. I'm going to disciple three. And my expectation from my three is to disciple three. Right now we're starting to get to multiplication. And guess what happens if those three have an expectation to disciple three? Now we're talking about building a momentum of disciple makers and we're talking about a change of disciples that are reproducing and multiplying. And now this church is full of not just people that sit in a pew, but full of people that know how to make disciples. And as soon as somebody comes to Christ, they know exactly what to do and they're doing it. Right. So now we're talking about building momentum. Right. OK, so my three and then they're investing in three. Now, normally what I do is I usually spend Lindsay and I try to spend 60 to 90 days with these disciples. Question, 24 hours? No, that's not what I mean. But being very intentional with 60 to 90 days with someone. Now, it might just be an hour. But I would consider that a day. Right? Yes. Huh? Per year. Per year. So I got three that I'm going to spend with. I'm going to spend 60 to 90 days with them. Because... After 60 to 90 days, if they are not like me, and not in a, not in a like, hey, they're, they're just like me, but if they're not able to reproduce what I'm doing, then I've got to change what I'm doing, right? So after 60 to 90 days, they should be able to do everything that I'm doing. They should know everything about me. They should be out in the field with me. They should see me share the gospel. They should see me discipling people. They should be knowing everything about how I do family worship with my family and kids, like, all of that, they should know it in 60 to 90 days with me because I'm intentional with my time. Now, 
the intentionality with our time, you know, these three that you're discipling, you can put them in a group and spend time with them all at once. Or you can spend individual time. This is just to give you some type of framework to say, okay, I've got 60 to 90 days. I've got these three people. That means I need to spend this amount of time with them once a week. I need to spend one hour with them. It helps us to be intentional. If we don't make goals like this, then a lot of times we just aren't intentional with our time. And so we try to say, okay, well, this is going to be our goal. We're going to try to set this time. For me, I don't get out in, in Nepal as much as Levi does. So I have to call people. I call them to my house once a week for this long and that's my day or whatever. So you can still, in America, if you work full time, just thinking through, like, how can I be intentional, meet with somebody intentionally once a week? You know, that's kind of what you want your mind to be going. And then you can say, well, this is what I want it to look like, my okay. time with them. Yeah. That's right. So it's, it's just to give you a framework so that you can hold on to. Because when we talk about making disciples in our minds, we think, well, this is what we're doing. We're meeting on Sunday. Yes, but what I'm talking about is giving them specific time, 60 to 90 days, where you're investing into them and they're investing into you. You're going to find some of the most richest relationships that you will have. And the reason why I say 60 to 90 days per year is because you will end up taking and spending all of your time with them and never getting outside of those three to invest into others. Now, I'm not saying that you can't invest in them anymore or they can't invest in you, but there's going to be a time period where you need to sit and say, okay, within 60 to 90 days, we're going to spend time together. And then you are going to move towards instead of mentoring and discipling them, you're going to move to coaching them. Because now, guess what? They have all of these people that they're mentoring, they're training, they're discipling, and they're going to be asking you questions. Hey, what do I do here? Right, man, we were digging in the word and this is what that dude said. Wasn't that crazy? What do I tell him? You know, like what passages do you point to? So now it starts moving from me investing in a three to now I'm investing into those three and coaching them as they're making disciples. Okay. Does anybody have any questions? Right. I'm saying both. I'm saying right now, if you haven't led anybody to Christ, I'm saying, hey, you find three right now. Right. And then if you have led three to Christ, well, now that's your three. Right. Now, I am going to talk about how do you select some of your faithful disciples? How do you select people that you want to spend your time with? And that could be a little bit dicey for people. Um, and so I don't know if I'm going to get into all of that tonight. But I think that we do need to have a filter for who we disciple and uh, and some of the reasons why we disciple them. But I think that was a good question. So let's think about in terms of our three, if we've led them to Christ, well, we need to put them on a list because, man, the Lord's put us in their life. We want to make sure we disciple them. But then what about three that we know of that we interact with? Maybe they come to church or maybe they're in our family. And uh, we need to make sure that we're investing in them so that they can be healthy followers of Christ, healthy disciples. Okay, good question. Anybody else have any questions before I get on to this? I once again believe completely that the Holy Spirit will totally put, guide you and put those people in your life. You pray and ask the Lord, who do you want me to disciple? The Lord will show up. He is faithful to do that. And so it doesn't all have to be strategy. This is where he, <laughs> Levi's so strategic. But 
It does, it does have to be strategy in your intentionality, but you can also just trust that the Holy Spirit will totally reveal those, even if it's just a, a, a small prompting in your heart when you see them at church or something tells you you should speak to them. Obey that. Obey the Spirit and, and invest in their life. Um, oftentimes in the beginning of the year, I reevaluate uh, to see where those disciples are that I invested in, and they might need another year. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe COVID hit and we didn't see each other. Um, but there's times where for me, every January, I'm going through my list. Lord, who is it that you want me to invest in? You know what's funny? They'll call me and be like, hey, brother, can we hang out? And for me, I'm like, yeah, you got 60 to 90 days. And they're like, oh, okay. So, like, I go ahead and try to be intentional with it, you know. I go ahead and try to be intentional with it so they know that I ask them, are you all in? Are you good with 60 to 90 days? And they're like, no, I ain't. Okay, well, that's fine. Next. But if they do say that they're all in, well, man, I want to be intentional with my time. Discipleship isn't about so much about knowledge and some kind of like crazy process. Some of it is. It's just being very intentional with your time that you have with people, right? Now, the strategy side of that conversation is you do not waste any time that you meet with people, okay? But so I want to show you guys just a format. The reason why I want to show you the format is because this format helps you understand, okay, if I have one hour, this is what I'm going to do. Now, I'm not going to give you the lessons, but I think you need to be asking yourself, if I'm going to teach somebody, what's going to be the first thing I'm going to do? What's going to be the second thing? Man, if I, if I meet with them 90 days... All right, I got to be thinking, what am I going to do with them, right? And so I'm going to give you a framework that's going to allow you to be able to see, okay, if I'm going to meet with somebody, if I've got one hour, I'm going to write it up on the board, how we can spend that hour with them. And there's things that you can plug in there along the way in 60 to 90 days that can change. But this process needs to stay the exact same, okay? Don't change this. This is huge because okay. it empowers them. A lot of times when we meet with someone, we can do all the talking and then we leave and we say, oh, did they even get anything from that? That is not what you want to do in discipleship. You want them to be empowered to do exactly what you're teaching them. And, by, and this is how you do that. This is really, really important. No, it's, it's good. I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Now, all right. So we actually call this, and you're not going to be able to read this, and I just think I'll write it on the board for me, so I won't forget it. But this is called the uh, trainer for trainers or T for T, three-thirds process. But I like to think of about it with my arrows because I that's just how I remember stuff. Uh, so this would be the first Let's just say we've got an hour. We want to do 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. So that's why it's called three-third process. But in the, in the first part, we want to think about in our mind, this is a look-back time. Okay, this is where we want to talk and we want to do care. Man, how's your week been, brother? What's been going on? You know, last time you shared this about your family, what's happening? What's the update? All right. And then we want to move on to our accountability. Now, just know we don't have time to do a mock-up session, but normally we would get in groups and we would actually practice this. And man, you would find out, you would love this process. So sorry, you're going to get the short end of the stick of that thing. But next, so we have our care where we're reaching out, we're caring for them, they're caring for us, 
right? And then we have our accountability. And our accountability, we have these questions that we want to ask. What's your high, what's your low since last time we got together? That's what those arrows That's mean. That's what our arrows mean, high, lows. Give me your high, give me your low. All right, tell me, um, who have you been sharing the gospel with and how, who are you praying for to come to Christ? That's the seed sowing. I know the order doesn't really matter. It's just these elements need to be there, but I like it. The next one is, what have you been reading and studying in God's Word? What are you learning? What, what are you learning in God's Word? The next one that I ask is, how did you obey? So from last time, you, you set some goals, and these are things that you said that you were going to do. How did it go? Did you fall forward? Did you fall backwards? Did you try it, not try it? Okay. And then we want to close out that time with just some worship and prayer. Now, I don't mean you have to have a guitar, but you can open up a psalm and just pray through that psalm and just pray as you read through that psalm. Read a couple verses in a row. Lord, may your name be high and lifted up and just say, Lord, may your name be high and lifted up as you're reading the psalm. So I usually link those two things together. Okay. now the next third, that's going to be where we're going to get into the new teaching. Or we're going to review. Okay, now, if if I have only 30 minutes today with somebody, I'm going to get into the accountability and care. And then I'm going to go to the review. I'm going to review what I taught last time. I might not have time to to give a new teaching, but I want to make sure that I'm focused on if I don't have enough time, don't give them a new teaching. Just review the last thing that you taught because you want to make sure that they understood and understand what you taught them last time. Don't necessarily always have to give them something new all the time. Okay. Now, you've probably seen uh, this method. There's all kinds of different methods that you can use and hermeneutic tools. Do whatever you want to, but this is what I do. Uh, this is what I teach my kids. This is what I teach new believers, old believers. Okay, now there's four questions I ask. What's it say about God? What does this passage teach us about man? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a command or example to follow? Those are the four basic questions that I ask. Why do I only ask four? Because, like I said, I want to keep it simple. I could definitely add 20 other ones. No doubt I could. And later on, as I'm discipling them, I'm going to put other questions in there that they're going to be able to take in and understand. But a new believer is not going to be able to eat meat. Right. So I want to start out very, very simple, not because I'm dumb, but and it's not because they're dumb, but it's so that they can have a, a, a foundation to build on. We're not talking about completion. We're talking about building blocks that's going to get them to a place where they're going to do it their entire life. How many times have you met a believer and they will say this, man, I, yes, I gave my life to Christ, but I read the word and I don't understand it. All the time. What if you took a back of receipt whenever you were paying the, the waitress or the waiter and you took a minute and wrote down the sword method and said, look, this is how you study God's word. Ask these questions. I think oftentimes people think, man, just understanding God's word and, and breaking it down for them to understand, they can't understand it. So this is a, just a simple tool. This is not the only one out there. Yeah, whatever. But it, this one works. This is one I like, right? So 
What does it say about God? What does it say about man? Is there a sin to avoid a command or example to follow? Okay. So after we open up God's word, we dig in. Now, one thing that I love about this is what do I want to do in my discipleship time? Do I want to teach them all of these things? Is that the point? What do y'all think? Huh? Teach them to fish? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. I want to teach them how to eat for themselves. Now, what you're going to love is the first time you start studying the word with somebody that's never dug into it. And they start asking the questions and start discovering things about God. Y'all, it is rich. If you've never done that with somebody, you, you get Luke chapter 19, 1 through 11. And you ask your kids to teach you what they learn about Jesus in that passage, y'all. And it's going to rock your world. They're going to understand things that you never thought that they could. The reason why we want to help them understand it for themselves, the reason why we want them to answer for themselves is because we want them to start realizing that they can understand God's word. It's not this foreign book that only English speakers or educated people can read and understand. Right. We want to make sure that we put it down at such a level that they say, man, I love the Bible. I love it. I understand it. I read it. I understand it. I can't wait to get it tomorrow morning. Well, we give them this tool and we want to show it to them, teach them it so that they can continue to learn to grow in their love for the word. All right. Okay. So now last, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to practice. Okay, we're going to practice. What do you mean practice? Well, we're going to practice these things that we learned over here. Like, for example, if we're going through the word and we're talking about or the new teaching is how to share the gospel, what are we going to practice? How to share the gospel, right? What if, uh, what if we teach about giving? What are we going to practice? given uh what if we talk about uh prayer what are we going to practice prayer right you get the point the point is whatever we teach and whatever we're walking through we want to make sure that we the commander example that we pull out those things and that we actually put those things into practice Okay, set goals. So based around the word, what they personally feel like they should be doing, they're going to set their goals. Okay, so based on what you heard today, what are some things that you can take away that, that we can hold each other accountable for this week? Man, I, I did something wrong. Repent and believe maybe was the first lesson that we taught. Man, I did something wrong to my wife or to my kids or to one of my coworkers. Man, this week, I'm going to go apologize. I want you to hold me accountable to it. Man, that's a good goal, don't you think? Or, you know, uh, whatever it is. Okay, we want them to set goals, measurable goals, simple goals. And then we want to have a time where we're praying for one another. Maybe we're praying over those people that we want to share gospel with. Maybe we're praying over some of those things in the, in the care part again. What you're going to teach your three this week okay all right so when you're looking at this part look back look up right we're learning asking God what do you have for us 
and the moving forward, looking forward to the future, right? When you think about this process, let me ask you this. Do you see head, heart, hands in this process? All right, where's the head? Where's knowledge? In the middle, right? Okay, what about the heart? Where do we see that come out? Huh? First, that's right. Okay, now, what about the, the hands? What about the doing in discipleship? Where do we find it? Last. That's why I said, do not change this process. These are the things that need to be there because we want to make sure that we're creating healthy disciples. What if we spend all of our time right here in knowledge? Are we going to have people that are full of the spirit that we care and how they live in their character outside the walls of the church? No, we want to make sure, man, we care about people's character. Right. What about doing Man, we want to make sure that people are just not doing, doing, doing. We want to make sure that they knowing and walking with God, that they're holding each other accountable, that we're talking about their character, right? We want to make sure that we're getting all of these elements and not focusing just on one. But oftentimes, you know what happens? Our gift sets fall in one of these places, and that's what we champion more than anything else. Did you hear me say that? Most of the time, our giftings, falls in one of these three and that's the only thing that we champion what if you're the man the best character and best doer sorry the best character well man oftentimes you're always looking at people's character man they got they got a bad character we need to fix that or dude they just don't know we got to teach them or you know what them folks if they could just do it you know we'd be good to go right so we got to make sure that we're making sure that we're discipling people head heart hands all right, so I want to take just a couple minutes. I think one danger, real quick, on discipling people that that I've that we see sometimes stepping into America is a lot of times, and even overseas, I'm guilty of this sometimes. Is I'll someone will call me to get together, and I'll get together and just see it as like me spending time asking them questions, like how are you doing, how's your family, how's your time in the Word, but I won't even get in the Word with them. You know, like a lot of times you'll meet somebody over lunch. I had to quit. I had to totally change that um, in my time overseas and make sure that every single time I'm with somebody, they come to us for answers. We don't want other believers to come to us. We want them to be empowered to go to the Lord for answers, to know his word. And if we're not constantly pulling out the word and championing the word, then we will be the answer for other people. And while that may feel good, to us personally, to always be needed or whatever, it is not biblical. It's not what the Lord wants. He wants to be the one that gets the glory and the one that is the one championed every single time. So make sure that when you meet somebody, even if you call them to lunch, bring the word and open it together, you know, and make sure you're digging in the word with them, even if it's a small passage and talking about it. It does make a huge difference in your time with others. Um, so you can use this process with your family at home. I mean, I, I'm not saying that only your three should be your family, but I would consider having them as part of that discipleship chain. Man, I need to be discipling my kids. Like, I'm not going to outsource that thing to somebody else, 
right? Um, but then also being intentional with those people in church, man, that the Lord's already set you up with. Be intentional with that time. Or even some of your coworkers that might say that they're believers, man, invest in them. Or there's somebody out there that you've led to Christ that you need to be discipling as well. I wrote up a couple of things. We're not going to have time to talk through it. I just put it up there so we can reference it for later. Um, but 60 to 90 days with somebody, what am I going to do? Well, the first time we meet together, we're going to dig through and I'm going to teach them this three-third process, right? So they understand it. We're going to practice it. And then there's some things that I need to be doing in those 60 to 90 days. Everything that we're talking about practicing, I want them to see me do it. So my abiding quiet time sword method, I want them to see me do it, right? I want to assist them in doing it. And then you know what I want to do? I want to watch them. I want to just watch them from a distance to make sure that they're doing it. And then after the 60 to 90 days, I'm going to release them to do it without me. And I'm going to change my role as being the, the one always with them to release them to do it on their own. And then when we're thinking about the type of people that we're looking for, I've got an acrostic that I use. Uh, it might not be the most appropriate one, but it's there. Um, it's fat, uh, faithful, available, teachable. We want to make sure that the people that we're looking for, man, they're people that are willing to meet together. Uh, they're faithful in doing the word. Um, they are available, man. They got time. They say, man, I want to meet. Not everybody wants to meet with you, but if they want to give you time, give them time. And then I want to just make sure that they're teachable, that they're willing to grow and learn together. I'm not there. I don't know everything, but are they willing to learn with me? So those are the, just some uh, things that I want to throw out there. We do have about two minutes left. Okay, so, so if we want to ask some I questions. Remember real quick is that in modeling, it's important. A lot of times we make assumptions. Oh, they've grown up in church. They know how to pray. A lot no. of times people don't know how to pray. Even if they've grown up in church, they really haven't ever spent time in prayer. So modeling is super important when we meet with people. Hey, watch me pray. This is how I meet with God. Let me show you what it looks like when I have my quiet time. And just show them what that looks like. This is how I read my Bible. This is how I pray. This is how I worship God in my quiet time. That's huge. It was huge for me learning that. Even though I grew up in church my whole life and was in Bible drills for nine years and was like everything. Just watching somebody taking time to show me how they spent time with God was very key in my walk with the Lord. And also, sometimes it's the people that, when you think about this faithful, available, teacher, teachable, it's the people that you don't really even connect with, like personality-wise, that may be the people that God has opened up your door. So, like, a lot of times I think, oh, that's, I don't really, you know, I, I can't really pour into their life. They're nothing like me. They're not going to learn from me. And Levi always has to call this out. Like, are they faithful? Are they available? Are they teachable? If they're these things and no, they are roll. the right person, <laughs> stop saying they're not. So that's very key as far as investing in people. All right. Any questions? We do have about one minute left. <laughs> uh, but you can stay later and we'll, we'll, we'll be up here the entire time. Yes, ma'am. take out that once a week and I say, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm meeting with someone that I have, you know, that the Lord has brought into my life during this time this week. So I just give little, every, the amount of space I have, I don't fill up my calendar because I just can't like do it. It exhausts me. So I do, I normally do 
um, two people. I don't do three. I do two for 60 days and then just call them and meet with them. So two people once a week is very easily doable, even 30 minutes to an hour. I bring them in to model. I bring them in with my kids. So I show them the ways that we spend time. I spend time discipling my kids, and I show them how we open the word together, the ways that I teach them, the ways we pray together, the ways I'm teaching them to pray. And they're learning through all of that. As they're even watching my kids grow, they're growing. It's just a process of I've just had to open it up and do life. A big thing is doing life with people, inviting them into your home, even if it's messy, if it's, I mean, my house is never wonderful. Everybody always mentions that when they come over. But I don't even care because I'm like, if I don't invite you over, if I have to wait for my house to be perfect, you'll never come to my house. Like, it has to be. You just have to come and do life with us. And then I can be intentional in those conversations and not just allowing them to come over and hang out and then leave, but making sure I'm saying, hey, let's sit down in the Word together. Kids, let's all sit down in the Word together. Let's pray together. Let's make sure we're investing in this, you know? And so it's all about intentionality in our home with me. That's how I lead well. Yeah. Um. So anybody else have any questions? Uh, maybe what we'll do is we're going to close. And then if you want to stay around, y'all can come up and talk to us. But this is how I want to close this, close this thing out tonight. We're going to pray. But uh, are you going to pray, Trey? No, I want to say something. Okay. Thank you, Trey. Appreciate you kind it, of man. just have to say, it's not going to be perfect. There's so many times where I've started sharing the gospel and my kids have just went nuts and we just had to let it go. Like, See you later. It's like that and it just has to be okay, you know? You just have to try. <laughs> you have to just try and get what you can get out of it. So I, w I do want to land this and say this. I want you to write down tonight. Uh, I know we don't normally we usually leave enough time where you write down this stuff right now. But tonight when you go home, I want you to think between now and getting home, Lord, who is it that you put in my life that's going to be my three? I want you to write them down. Okay. Then that next thing I want you to do, I wrote it up here. I want you to write out your first meeting and what you're going to do. And I want you to schedule it. <laughs> Just go ahead and get in your mind. I got my three. All right. Now what? I'm going to call them July 22nd, and we're going to talk and say, hey, let's get together tomorrow for lunch if you got an hour. All right. So trying to take what we're learning and trying to put it in practice as soon as possible, because otherwise, you know what's going to happen? It ain't going to happen. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for this time. Father, we pray that you would help us to be in just living intentional lives, Father, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of making disciples. Lord, may we be great commission Christians, Lord. We pray that you would help us to put into practice daily the great commission, Lord. Help us to make disciples. Lord, help us to teach and equip the believers in the body here to do the work so that we can see the kingdom advance in ways that we never could think, ask, or imagine, Father. We pray that, that as people come to Christ, I pray that you would help us to disciple them well. Help us to make healthy disciples, Lord. May they be disciples that are, uh, know the word, that love the word, that, 
that are character, Father, that have a heart that wants to be involved and get active, Lord, in doing. Lord, we pray that we would see healthy disciples made, healthy disciples raised up. And Father, we pray that you would help us to see the kingdom advance in ways that we never can imagine. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this church. We pray that you continue to work in this place. And Father, I pray that DeSoto County would be changed because the believers in this room are getting active in the ministry and the work that you called them to. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name.